Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. In the NOCO is supported by Blue Federal Credit Union, with locations from Denver to Cheyenne, helping members tap into the power of community. More information at bluefcu.com. You're listening to In the NOCO, a daily slice of Northern Colorado news and happenings. It's Friday, October 13th. I'm Erin O'Toole. Journalism wasn't necessarily in the cards for NPR's Lori Lizarraga. She was studying business at Southern Methodist University until one day she found herself in the wrong classroom. But what I did find was behind a very heavy studio door, a whole state-of-the-art newsroom for the student newscast that went on every single day, anchor desk with the seniors, you know, behind in their suits and the green screen and the cameras and the technical director with the headset on and the totally equipped even with the on-air sign above the the door. And the technical director turns around and, you know, takes off his headphones and is like, close the door. And I was like, okay, close the door. And, you know, the heavy door kind of like whooshes my hair back and I'm like, what was that like just stepped into Narnia? She never did find that class she was signed up for, but Lizaraga did find her calling, and she's been telling stories ever since. Lizaraga is Ecuadorian Mexican American, and much of her work is informed by her cultural identity. Staying true to those roots and to her community has come at a cost, though. In 2021, Lizaraga's contract with Nine News wasn't renewed. She was one of three Latina journalists let go from the Denver news station in less than a year. Lizaraga has been vocal about the discrimination she says led to that and how it interfered with her reporting on race and culture. But today, as a host for NPR's Code Switch, Lizaraga meticulously unpacks how issues of race and culture underpin everything in America. I grew up in Texas in a small Texas town outside of Dallas. So when people say, where are you from? I say Dallas, even though that's not true. But it's probably because you haven't heard of Waxahachie, Texas before. So I throw Dallas into the ether more often than I than I do Waxahachie. But um, growing up in this in this tiny Texas town with my dad's side of the family, who they're Mexican, and my mom, who is an immigrant from Ecuador, um, we were sort of like a melting pot in our own right in, in the house and had all of these different learning curves from the kids' side, from my parents' side, from our family's side, us being, you know, first generation to this country growing up here. That was always really challenging, I guess, in hindsight. And I didn't realize how often uh, it was that we felt like we were sort of like playing catch up or learning in real time how to fit in or our you know, we didn't have generational wealth. We didn't have a lot of literacy fluency with the systems here. There was not a lot of money there. You know, there weren't previous careers built up or businesses owned. My parents were very young when they started having us. So we watched them put themselves through through college. It was really like a, an environment growing up where we were all sort of learning from each other and learning in real time how to establish a life here in this country and to be successful. And from that, I think, once I got into storytelling, once I got into journalism, I realized that I could honor the community that I come from and honor my heritage, my background, my 
people with this work in a way that it never had been sold to me as that, but I saw that there was room for it and opportunity for it. And that has been something that, like I said, has kept me in the industry. So there's been a recent movement for newsrooms to hire journalists from underrepresented communities to report on these communities. Along with this comes, I think, added pressures and a huge sense of responsibility. Can you talk about maybe the challenges that you have felt in doing this kind of work? Absolutely. I mean, I think the catalyst for the position that I'm in today at NPR and hosting a race and identity show which is Code Switch, the catalyst for that was absolutely the struggle of being a Latina, of being a first-gen reporter in um, a local news market, you know, in in Denver. Those struggles were very much what made me a great journalist, but they were also, um, the work is hard enough, and some of the fights and some of the struggles were really because of a learning curve where we weren't speaking the same language. I think we had the same end goals in mind, which was coverage and good coverage. But who is newsworthy is sort of in the eyes of decision makers. And who is newsworthy and what is newsworthy, that that really does vary. Um, And so trying to legitimize that point of what was worth talking about, while also just doing the hard job of being a journalist, certainly during the social justice movement, certainly during the pandemic, all of it was so challenging anyway to then be fighting the fight on top of a really hard job. It, it's exhausting. But I don't think that that has to necessarily, and this is me, right, talking to myself. A few years ago, I would have been very frustrated with me trying to see the glass half full right now. And it's worth going to bat so that you can show the value of these stories, of these voices, of the, these communities and what they have going on and who needs to be held accountable on their behalf and not backing down um, too mm. easily, not giving up without a fight because the stories are there and they are worth telling and um, they are top line news. Yeah. Well, you mentioned this, but I want to come back to your time at Nine News in Denver. Could you briefly explain what happened and and what you took away from your experience there? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that it would be a much longer conversation than we have the time for, Aaron, to say exactly what happened. But ultimately, I think that it was an experience for me over the course of 2019 and um, 2020 and then part of 2021, um, where I was seeing in a very, very hyper bubble of a of a way gov- because of the social justice movement that was happening because of the protests because of the pandemic and the, its disproportionate effect on communities and communities of color and underserved communities um there were there was just a lot um to cover and a lot that felt very personal and a lot that was really challenging to get on air when my expertise about these communities or the value of those stories or the value of um talking about how they were or how they were not being served and holding that accountable on behalf of those communities, it was often very challenging to figure out how to get on the same page about making that matter. And um, I think that it's not a unique experience, unfortunately, after I left, um, or rather was let go from Nine News at the end of my contract in 2021. um, I wrote a piece um, in it came out in Westward, and I was so grateful to them for letting me unediedly 
talk about and be honest and frank about the experience that I had with the course of the two years. And I, I think, Erin, it wasn't about um, me feeling any type of way other than indebted to the communities that I said I cared so much about serving and that I didn't want to leave without saying what happened. And I didn't want to leave without letting them know that the way that we cover, the way that media characterizes communities and people is very, very impactful and has the opportunity to make massive and influential and life-changing impacts in these communities for these families, for these people and, and the issues that they're facing. And it also has the power to bury the lead and it has the power to move on without certain people who aren't in those headlines or who don't speak the language or who don't contribute enough money or turn on their TVs in a certain zip code. Um, and that is just so the job of, of journalism uh, and journalists as watchdogs of our communities to make sure that we are being representative and make sure that we are everywhere as much as we can be. Um, and it was my way of, of holding my newsroom and the news industry accountable in a way that we are told as journalists we're supposed to do with every other entity that we get the chance to, you know, hold up to a, a mirror and try to um, hold accountable. And so that's what I that's what I did. And um, when the piece came out, I was shocked how impactful and how far how impactful it was and how far it went. And it did ultimately uh, amount to to change in um, newsrooms across the country for how to be more culturally representative and changing, you know, the language around uh, immigration standards of, of coverage. Um, but more than anything, it is just it was part of a larger conversation that we're still having today about how to do coverage that's inclusive, but coverage that doesn't also feel that being inclusive is like charity, like making sure that we're putting priority on all communities, not because it's it's, you know, like a favor, but because they're part of your community and they're part of your market. So it's our duty to make sure that we're reporting on everyone. Okay, so this sort of brings us up to the present because you are at NPR's Code Switch now. I am. And there you are focused on issues of race and how these issues permeate American life. And I read this quote somewhere, now I can't remember where. <laughs> you said, for years I have introduced myself as a race and culture reporter mm. when the truth is where there are people, there is race and culture. This beat is in everything. <laughs> and Lori, I just wondered if you could expand on that a little bit. Talk about that notion and what it means to you. Sure, Erin. I mean, I, I love that little, I don't even know where I came up with that because <laughs> it is a very good way of summarizing the truth, which is to say that while especially I was in the job search post Denver um, and, you know, having not yet found my role here um, as the newest host of Code Switch, um, it was hard because I was told a lot of the time that you could either do advocacy work and diversity work or you could do n news. And it was very, very difficult to try to articulate in, in s I had a lot of chances, let's say that. So I got that little summary down just based on the amount of times that I had to try to explain that um, if you don't want to call me a, a race and culture reporter, you, you don't have to. But if you let me find you a top story every single day where race is a through line, I would be able to find it. The reality is, is that stories are a lot harder to expand upon than the 90 seconds that we often get for, you know, TV news. Um, 
what's great about you know this this beat and doing this show is it's it's 30 minutes and even still it's not enough time to get into one subject because people are complicated multifaceted we contain multitudes and um wherever we go uh and whatever stories we're doing unless like i know colorado is very good for doing animal stories and wilderness stories so i was gonna say most stories almost always have people involved in colorado uniquely i know that that is not always true but often (laughs) often it's true that if there's a person involved then there is some layer some factor some wrinkle the fabric is very much made up of race identity experience culture that's that's truly in everything doesn't have to be the high point but it's definitely not not there yeah. Well, and I keep thinking now about, you know, geographic naming advisory boards and how they are looking at the names of places and geographic features in Colorado and probably other mm. states as well that are problematic and changing them. So That's such I, a good point. So I stand even corrected on on <laughs> the mountains. I was just I was going to say it proves your point even more. It <laughs> even extends to the wilderness. That's that is so true, Erin. That's that's right. And I mean, again, just like you say, another reiteration of how much it is in the fabric of what we talk about and how important stories are to help us feel seen, to help us feel validated, to help us know when there is a problem worth asking about or solving. When we ask where the money is going, when we ask who's supposed to answer for what, when we tell anyone's story and give it a heartbeat, it's all so important when you know people and you know what questions to ask because they're similar to you. I think that that's really just a value add. And it's about, you know, f- finding, I think, a little bit of everything for every newsroom so that a little bit of everything gets into every newscast. Yeah. How are you feeling about the future of a journalism that is more representative of all communities and is more inclusive of people from all communities and walks of life? You know, I try not to crystal ball too much because I have absolutely no um, or at least very little impact on the whole big picture, Aaron. But I know in the time that I've been doing this work for almost, gosh, eight years now, um, I have seen the ripple effects of of me, um, of me being in this industry and me getting chances and me getting opportunity to say this is a story and having had people ask me where did you think to tell that story and like that is a that's a story I would have asked because that's the question I would ask if it were my mom my grandma if my you know Spanish-speaking immigrant grandparents need resources the first question I'm going to ask is and I ask it I I think it's about remembering sort of like the joy of of how impactful the work can be it's really easy to get underneath the grind of solving all of the representation uh, issues and to dump a system out, you know, turn it on its head. It can't be done overnight. It won't be done by one person. So it's important, I think, to remember how much giving one voice every day, you being in the room when you are from a marginalized community, you being a voice for the stories that wouldn't otherwise be pitched if you weren't there, All of that is incrementally very much moving forward the goal of more diversity and more representation in newsrooms and in news. And so for that, yeah, I feel I feel good about that. There's always work to do, Aaron, you know, (laughs) but uh, I do think that we we, you know, each as as journalists, reporters with this platform, I think that we have a lot of 
a lot of power and a lot of opportunity. And I hope that even when the days are hard, that we remember, you know, even just the one voice that we lift up and the one story that we give a platform to, it, it matters. Lori, thank you so much for all the great work that you do for Code Switch. And thanks for taking the time to talk with me today. Well, thanks for inviting me. This is such a treat. That's it for us today here on In the NoCo. We'll be back with you on Tuesday. Our theme music was composed by Colorado artist Robbie Reverb. Our producer is Jocelyn Mesa Miranda. Robin Vincent is our executive producer. I'm your host, Erin O'Toole. Have a great weekend.